Welcome to California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. I'm Saturius Johnson. Nothing says California in summertime like a trip to one of the state's many theme parks. And that's what this episode is all about, starting with Disneyland Resort. As Natalie Guzman-Garcia tells us, Disney has been busy celebrating its 100th anniversary. She also shares a few insider tips for visiting the iconic Anaheim Park. Nothing beats a ride on the Disneyland Railroad to me. It's just such a relaxing way to kind of spend an afternoon at the parks and it's just gorgeous. I think every time I'm on there, I forget I'm at a theme park because it looks like a natural wonder out there. After that, John Corfino returns to California now with the latest at Universal Studios Hollywood. Three words, Super Nintendo World. It is really pretty, I've heard the term overwhelming because it is such a rich environment. So that's that magical form of like layering the technology where it all becomes kind of invisible and you are inside the game. And Katrina Hunt tells us about everything from new rides to her favorite foods in theme parks across the state, from Sesame Place San Diego to Six Flags Discovery Kingdom. That's all coming up on California Now. For generations, Disneyland has drawn families to Anaheim with the promise of thrilling rides, spectacular shows, and a chance to take home some mouse ears. While the theme park is steeped in history and tradition, it's also constantly evolving, and we want to hear about what's new in 2023, which just happens to be Disney's 100th anniversary. Here to tell us more is Natalie Guzman-Garcia, a Disneyland Resort ambassador who previously worked as a tour guide at the park for years. Welcome to California Now, Natalie. Hi, thank you for having me here. So you're a Disney ambassador. That sounds like a a really fun job. What exactly do you do? This is one of the best jobs I could have ever dreamed of having. Uh, So as a Disney ambassador, I am the official spokesperson, cast member representative and emissary of Goodwill on behalf of the Disneyland Resort. So my job is to, you know, speak broadly and gladly of all things Disney, showcase the hard and uh, work that our cast members do to create magic for our guests every day. And I get to bring that magic out to the world through uh, community initiatives and volunteer efforts. Wow, that is really cool. I mean, were you like a big Disney fan growing up? Absolutely. I grew up here in Southern California um, in the Inland Empire. So Disneyland was only about a 30 minute drive. And uh, I mean, as a kid, I thought that was really far. It wasn't until I grew up, I realized (laughs) how lucky I was to have Disneyland in such close vicinity. Um, But it was a, a yearly tradition for my family to go. And it's a place that has just meant so much to me growing up that I, I wanted to make a career out of it. And here I am. Oh, that is so great. You're living the dream. I really am. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as I mentioned in the intro, this year marks 100 years of Disney. So let's talk about that for a bit, starting with what does that centennial anniversary mean to you on a personal level? So being an ambassador for the Disneyland Resort during the centennial anniversary has been the honor of a lifetime because even though we're marking this milestone, it also just means let's see what the next 100 years have to offer. So it's just a really fun time to celebrate. Oh, that's really cool. So so what's going on uh, in the park in light of the 100th anniversary? The Disneyland Resort is the heart of the celebration for the Disney 100. So fans wanting to celebrate in their own way can come to visit us. We have spectaculars, new attractions. We have food and just a variety of ways for everybody to celebrate 100 years of Disney magic. And I'm guessing like parades and nighttime shows might be part of the experience there, right? Absolutely. So we have the return of a parade called Magic Happens. 
it's just such a vibrant, high energy parade. Uh, you can't help but like want to dance, no matter what, whether you're sitting on the curb of Main Street USA or you're standing. You really get into the rhythm because our performers are so high energy, and it's just a colorful parade, uh, and it's so much fun. But I do have a favorite out of our uh, new spectaculars. Wondrous Journeys is our nighttime spectacular at Disneyland Park. And, you know, on some nights it does include uh, fireworks. And there's nothing like ending your day at Disneyland, like watching fireworks in front of Sleepy Beauty Castle. Mm-hmm. But this story means a lot to me because um, Wondrous Journey celebrates 100 years of Disney animation. So you are bound to probably find a reference or a tribute to uh, your favorite Disney animated feature film because in some way we were able to capture all of that into this nighttime spectacular and you just kind of go along the story of many of our Disney heroes and their trials and tribulations uh, to, you know, have that wondrous journey. It really is an emotional spectacular that means a lot to me. Oh, that's yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, definitely. Let, let's shift gears for a minute. So for people getting ready to come to Disneyland this summer, what are some of the experiences they can look forward to? So along with the spectaculars, we also have new attractions. Uh, and I'm going to highlight one in particular that's been really fun. Earlier this year, we had the opening of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. And it's the first time, believe it or not, that um, Mickey and Minnie Mouse, they have a ride-through experience. You know, it all started with the mouse, and Mickey finally gets this attraction. And it is just such a fun, zany adventure where you step into the animated world of Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse. And uh, it's great for the whole family. And I have not seen a single person come off this attraction without a smile on their face. It's just so much fun. What can you tell us about Mickey's Toontown? Yeah, so Mickey's Toontown, um, not only is it just newly reopened, it's been uh, thoughtfully redesigned. Uh, you know, there's a lot, we invite guests of all ages to play, uh, but we also emphasize that guests of all abilities are able to come to Mickey's Toontown and play. There's a lot of play areas for children to, you know, climb on things to, uh, you know, splash around in water. There's a really fun area, Goofy's How to Play Yard. I think Goofy is one of the best characters to teach you how to play, to be honest. And (laughs) his yard is this really fun playground uh, with slides and interactive um, abilities. And what's wonderful about it, like I said, it's removed as many barriers as possible so that uh, children of all abilities can have a great time in this area. And that goes for the whole land as well. What else does it have to offer? You know, our classic uh, attractions are still there, like Roger Rabbit's Cartoon Spin. Uh, we also reimagined uh, the fun little family-friendly roller coaster that is there, Chippendale's Gadget Coaster. <laughs> uh, so that tends to be a first roller coaster for a lot of little ones, and uh, it's still there. So Mickey's Toontown is vibrant and a very exciting thing for guests to visit this year. Oh, that's great. Uh, so, so what else is on the horizon at Disneyland? There is still a lot coming. Um, and one thing that I am so excited for, it's only a few weeks away, is Rogers the Musical. And I never thought we would see something like this here. And I am just so excited to see a, a musical based on the Avengers. I, mm-hmm. I like that's a, that's a sentence I never thought I would say. <laughs> but <laughs> it's going to be uh, so fun. And um This is going to be at the Hyperion Theater in Disney California Adventure. And um, 
it's going to be inspired by uh, the song Save the City. If anybody was familiar with the Hawkeye series on Disney Plus, uh, there was a bit of a Broadway moment um, where uh, Steve Rogers' story, who was Captain America, was adapted to a stage musical. This mm. is inspired by that. And oh, um, I've even heard that you're going to see some Avengers having um, musical moments that, again, I never thought I would say that sentence, but I, I'm just really thrilled <laughs> for this. <laughs> oh, that's really great. That's, that's pretty exciting. It's very unusual, too. So that's really great. They're really kind of like... Uh, teasing out that musical aspect of that one episode. So that's really cool. Exactly. We also have uh, a few new things coming. Uh, we have San Francisco Square in Disney California Adventure Park that'll be opening later this year. Uh, and, you know, it's a, it's inspired by Big Hero 6. So you will have the opportunity to get, you know, up and close with uh, the lovable Baymax. And you're going to find a lot of yummy Asian-inspired food and beverage selections there. So I'm really excited about that because I love myself a good um, food location. <laughs> now, Natalie, you've been with the company for 13 years. What are some things that aren't new that you still love? So, uh, as you mentioned earlier, I used to be a tour guide and, you know, my job for a majority of my time working at the Disneyland Resort was to tell stories, specifically stories about, um, you know, the history of the parks or of the company. And for, you know, some of our guests that uh, constantly visit and are trying to find a new perspective to see one of their favorite places, I can't recommend a guided tour enough. It is just such a cool experience where a seasoned, you know, professional tour guide walks around with you and tells you stories that you might not have ever heard of. Uh, I know at the moment that there are two guided tours. Uh, One is celebrating Disney 100 at the Disneyland Resort. So this guided tour uses the parks as a living storybook to tell the history of the um, Walt Disney Company and the past 100 years. So you'll step onto like Buena Vista Street and you'll hear about how Walt Disney arrived in California in 1923. And you'll just kind of hear how much this company that he, you know, imagined founding as a storefront studio in the 20s, what it's become all over the world. It's, it's just a really cool way to experience the parks. And there's also Walt's Main Street story, which, you know, tells a lot of um, really fascinating stories about you know, Walt's boyhood in Marceline, Missouri, the people that helped bring his dream to reality. And the fascinating thing about these uh, tour experiences is that they give guests uh, the opportunity to have some exclusive moments at the parks, uh, whether that's viewing for a spectacular or maybe stepping into Walt Disney's private apartment. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not everybody gets to do that on a daily basis, but um, by exploring what the offerings are on these tours, uh, they'll be able to do so. So I can't recommend that enough to our seasoned guests out there that visit us all the time. Oh, that's really cool. I was going to ask you if there were any like hidden gems. It sounds to me like that that uh, Disney's apartment might be one of them. Are there any other hidden gems that you think people just uh, don't even know exist uh, that they should definitely hit? Um, I mean, in terms of hidden gems, I wouldn't call them so much hidden, but I think sometimes we walk past them on the way to, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout or right. like, you know, we walk down Mission USA to, you know, make, a, make it to Space Mountain. Um, but I personally love uh, taking my time in these parks. You know, in Disney California Adventure, the uh, Animation Academy is one of my favorite hidden gems because you do learn from a Disney artist how to draw some of your favorite characters. And oh, wow. uh, 
they really teach you how to draw some incredible characters. Uh, Mirabel from Disney's Encanto is mm -hmm. someone that guests can learn how to draw. When, no matter your artistic skill, you can go in there and feel like a Disney animator. And, you know, I also like to take it slow around the parks. Uh, I grew up going there. And while I have my favorite high thrills, nothing beats a ride on the Disneyland Railroad to me. It's just such mm -hmm. a relaxing way to kind of spend an afternoon at the parks and just soaking in the atmosphere of Disneyland. Oh, yeah. Explain that to people. So, so pe for people who don't know what that is, explain, just give like a, an overview of what that, that ride is like. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, the Disneyland Railroad, it's a, a grand circle tour of Walt Disney's original Magic Kingdom. So there are four stops. Uh, guests can use this as a mode of transportation around the resort. So you could be all the way over in New Orleans Square and maybe you need to head over to Tomorrowland to, um, you know, go to an attraction that you're planning on going over there. Uh, you could walk. And of course, there's nothing wrong with walking or you can kind of hop on the train and take it a few stops over and then get off over in Tomorrowland. And on the way, you'll be able to soak in some of the scenery of the parks. Uh, my favorite is the space between New Orleans Square and the Mickey's Toontown Station because your train takes you along the rivers of America. And it's just gorgeous. I think every time I'm on there, I forget I'm at a theme park because it looks <laughs> like a natural wonder out there. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. You know, I'd love to talk a little bit about tactics uh, for a minute. So do you have any tips or tricks to help visitors make the most of their experience when they're at Disneyland? Absolutely, I do. I cannot emphasize enough how much everybody needs to download the Disneyland app before they arrive. Uh, making sure that you're logged into the app with your Disney account. Um, you'll be ready the minute you step in when you have the app so you can upload your tickets onto that app um you will be able to explore the disney genie service and you can also do mobile order um for food options and that's probably the my favorite feature i can't imagine my disneyland visits now without mobile order <laughs> um i'm able to kind of strategize my day in the parks and uh you know with when i'm with my friends or my family i i ask them like where they want to eat ahead of time and um, i'm able to kind of arrange our, a mobile order pickup time and it just streamlines the disney experience all the more and i i, I just love that feature so much it's able to it's been able to help me get you know my dole whip a little faster um, <laughs> without waiting in a long line that's probably my favorite disneyland treat so what is that for those of us who don't know what that is what what's a dole whip oh my gosh a dole whip is um uh, it's one of the best things i think we've ever sold at the disneyland resort <laughs> so a dole whip is a frozen uh pineapple treat so uh, the original dole whip was um pineapple whip and a popular way to enjoy it is a by a Dole Whip float. So you have this frozen whip on top of pineapple juice, and it is just so delightful. It's the best treat you could have uh, during the summer. <laughs> oh yeah, it sounds like a very refreshing and very cold thing to keep you keep you going from uh, experience to experience. Exactly, and you know, at a specific location at Disneyland Park, a Tropical Hideaway, you actually have a variety of flavors. for For a very long time, pineapple was the main flavor. You know, the pineapple Dole Whip was the reason why. Uh, but today, guests can you know check out seasonal offerings. For example, right now we also have a mango whip and a strawberry whip. You can get them swirled as well, and uh, they're just such delightful flavors, especially for the summer. Yeah, they sound great. So, Natalie, for people visiting 
You mentioned the Disneyland uh, or the Disney Genie Service. So uh, what is that? So the Disney Genie Service helps guests strategize their visits. Uh, everybody has, uh, you know, like a different reason for visiting the Disneyland Resort. Some families have little ones, so they might prioritize, uh, you know, our um, attractions that are not so high thrill because, you know, for little ones, uh, they may not be tall enough for a couple of attractions. Um, or you might have, uh, you know, a group of young adults that are there without children and they do want to prioritize those high thrill attractions. The Disney Genie Plus service can uh, help you strategize your best time to go to these attractions. It can help tell you um, when lightning lanes are available, which can be purchased uh, with a Genie Plus service. So when guests purchase that, they are able to book lightning lanes, which uh, offer expedited access to many of our attractions. Um, it shows um, when the best time to go to a show or a spectacular is. GD service can help guests streamline their visit and kind of, it's again, it's like another little asset where it's your best friend in your pocket. It's telling you, hey, maybe now's a good time to go and uh, head on over to Peter Pan's flight because um, everybody's watching this spectacular. So maybe this is your turn to go over there. Uh, right. So it helps strategize that. And it's a, it's a really neat feature that um, can really benefit guests, no matter their reasons for visiting the resort. Yeah, it's kind of like real-time insider hints and tips, right? Exactly. Kind of maximize. Exactly. That's really cool. <laughs> You know, Natalie, any day at Disneyland must be full of memorable moments with guests. I mean, proposals happening or things like mm -hmm. that. Have you witnessed any big guest moments over the years? Oh, my gosh. I've witnessed so many. And back when I was a tour guide, um, me and some of uh, the other tour guides were able to facilitate this incredible moment um, that really was once in a lifetime. Um, but this young, uh, young guest, uh, he was about 12 years old. He... Uh, had been visiting the resort for several years um, during some cancer treatments. It was kind of his uh, his his happy moment to be able to mm -hmm. visit the parks. Um, the family came uh, on this particular day and said that they were there to celebrate this young boy being in remission, and he was going to be taking uh, his final his final medication there to you know symbolize that he had beat cancer. Wow. Um, so we made this huge moment where we treated them, uh, you know, to ice cream. And there's so many magical moments that I've witnessed in front of Sleeping Beauty Castle. There was nothing like seeing the triumph of this young boy at his favorite place overcoming this moment in his life and um, the emotions with his family there for not only reaching this milestone with this young boy, but for us to go out of our way to make it the big deal that it was at Disneyland. It's a story that stayed with me for a very long time. And it makes me all the more grateful that we are. It makes me grateful that I work at a place where people choose to celebrate moments in their lives. Not many people can say that. And I get to witness uh, such incredible moments on a daily basis. Oh, my gosh, that's fantastic. That's really cool. So, Natalie, before we wrap up, uh, what haven't we talked about yet that we really ought to? Some fan favorites are returning. Our fall celebrations are coming. I know it's June, but we get ready for things way ahead of time. <laughs> and um, June for us means getting ready for fall celebrations, specifically Halloween time at the Disneyland Resort. So, you know, the giant Mickey Jack-O-Lantern will be back on Main Street USA. We're going to see the return of Halloween Screams, which is our nighttime spectacular at Disneyland Park. 
you're going to see various areas um, in Disneyland and uh, Disney California Adventure that uh, pays tribute to the Mexican celebrations of Dia de los Muertos uh, with Plaza de la Familia. And uh, it's, it's just such a wonderful time to be at the resort because fall is such a lovely time of year and there are lots of celebrations that take place in the fall. Uh, so come check out everything that we have to offer Halloween time at the Disneyland Resort. We'll be starting on September 1st, running through Halloween. Natalie, this has been so great. Thank you for all the insider tips and all the everything about that's new that's coming up. This has been really awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. Thank you so much for having me here. And I'm looking forward to seeing everybody visit the Disneyland Resort soon. Natalie Guzman-Garcia is a Disney ambassador at Disneyland in Anaheim. Online, it's Disneyland.com. This is California Now. Longtime listeners of the show will recognize the name John Corfino. We had him on two years ago to discuss what it's like dreaming up fun and imaginative surprises for rides and attractions at Universal Studios Hollywood. Well, with the launch of Super Nintendo World this year, which features a chance to live the dream riding Mario Kart style through Bowser's Castle, we suspect he's been quite busy. He's here now to tell us all about it. Welcome to California Now, John. Thanks so much. Good to be back. So let's start with the big picture. What is Super Nintendo World and what's the idea behind it? Well, Super Nintendo World is something different than, quite frankly, we've ever really done before because we've had these great rides and attractions and themed lands. And while this is a themed land, it is really truly going inside of a game. As you go in the ride, you have a power-up band that allows you to play every aspect of the game and there's no order or rhyme or reason, you can just jump into this totally immersive land that is filled with kinetic objects that you'd recognize and iconography that you recognize from the games. And you interact and get key challenges. You score points. Of course, you can ride Mario Kart and it uh, everything. all your scores are tracked. And so you're basically, you're inside of a game, which is something that is very, very different. So just to give us a sense of what it's like, I mean, when you're walking through, are you kind of just walking through on your own? Are you wearing special glasses or anything like that? No, what happens is, is you, just to give you some orientation, is you go down to the lower portion of the lot and where you normally jump on Jurassic World or Transformers, you'll come upon the entrance. And of course, if you're familiar with Super Mario at all, everything begins and ends with a warp pipe. So you basically walk in through the warp pipe through Peach's Castle, and you enter into Super Nintendo World. And if you're a fan, you will just recognize everything about it. There are animated figures. There, The colors are very vibrant, and everything is in motion. It's moving, and uh, you're just totally submerged in the reality. That's really cool. I mean, how, how well-versed were you in the world of all things Nintendo when you took this on? Well, uh, not nearly as uh, knowledgeable as I am today, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, I've actually been working on this along with the team, um, you know, our creative studio group in Orlando for at least the last seven or eight years. So we uh, you know, partnered up with Nintendo because they are the best in the world at what they do. We think we're pretty good at what we do. And together, we just wanted to lay out how we actually transport guests into this environment of this world-famous just absolutely an, an icon of brands. And uh, it is really very special to see guests from age 50 to 55, 65 come in and just have their minds blown because they've been playing these games for decades and they're, they come in and it's like to see them being a lot of times emotionally overwhelmed is really rewarding. 
Yeah. I mean, what was your, your process like to get inspired and to, to learn about the Nintendo world? Well, you know, as with everything with Nintendo or anything else we've done, when you're going to create one of these attractions, you know, there are, I always kind of joke, there are three types of people in the world. There are people who are just super gamers. There are people who kind of game, but they're not really into it. And then there are people who don't game at all. And, and obviously, we need to be very, very knowledgeable. We need to know everything possible so that it's all authentic and that the people who are super fans you know, are, find more of what they're looking for as well as the person who's not a, a super fan being totally immersed in this new environment. So it's really, really, it's incredibly important to just submerge yourself into that. And as I said before, Nintendo, we're absolutely terrific partners. We had the chance to work and meet with, I mean, incredibly often, Miyamoto-san, the creator of the brand itself. And uh, it was just a tremendous experience. Did you like, you know, bring a console home and just like jump into a lot of these games just to get a sense of it yourself? Absolutely. It was one of the fun parts of my kids wanted to borrow it. And I had to say, no, it's mine. <laughs> but no, and, and again, when you're trying to figure this out and it, it's a game, but it's also visceral and that it's bringing what we do in the realm of immersion into it. So it was the folks at our creative studio and Nintendo um, just sitting down for a couple of years and really figuring out the best way to actually what I'll call dimensionalize this type of an experience, you know, viscerally. So, you know, we could bring it here to Universal. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of listeners, uh, you know, people in general grew up playing games like Super Mario World and various versions of Mario Kart and so on. Or, or maybe they have kids who did. What is it about that world that you think makes people want to step inside? Well, I mean, if I would say even people who aren't familiar with it, once you come through that warp pipe and you actually enter into the land, everything about the environment, the vibrancy, the, the, the motion, the kinetic energy, there's something there that's magical. And uh, it obviously has been working well for the last, you know, 30 odd years, however long it's been in existence as well as now. I mean, we see the success of the film as well. So, I mean, people love the characters. They're, they're just, they resonate with uh, all generations. So, John, can you give us kind of an overview of the overall experience? In Super Mario Land, that's where you will be able to experience all of the interactive gameplay and play all of those games, hit all the punch blocks. Um, and then once you complete that, then you can ride Mario Kart the Adventure. Or you don't have to do one versus the other first. You could actually go in Mario Kart first. But they're two kind of separate areas. And in Mario Kart, in, that is actually a ride. And you actually go on to Mario Kart. You, so you, everybody goes on a cart. There's four people who go on a cart. And each individual wears an AR headset. And then you go on this magical journey through these incredible sets. It's actually a physical ride. You'll go through physical sets that include projection mapping, uh, animated figures, special effect, um, as well as augmented reality. And remember, you're in a game, so everybody is going to be looking in different directions, but you're inside a world. Um, so it really transports you in a way that no other experience ever has before. Wow. So not only are you kind of like physically immersed, now you're like virtually immersed when you're on the ride, which is uh, just kind of probably blows people's minds. It is really pretty, I've heard the use of the term overwhelming because it is such a rich environment, both the physical aspects of it, as well as the virtual aspects of it, because you're seeing all these characters 
kind of transposed in front of you and all around you. They're engaging with you and they're actually in some cases going into video screens or interacting with the physical sets that you're seeing. So that's that magical form of like layering the technology where it all becomes kind of invisible and you are inside the game. That sounds really great. I mean, so the ride is actually kind of integrated into the experience. You don't have to go elsewhere to to do the ride, right? Absolutely. I mean, you're you're in the land and you know, it's kind of interesting about it is if you go inside the land and and you go through SML or you go through the ride and you go through SML in uh, Super Mario Land and once you you're so immersed you're, you know, you almost forget. And people have made this comment. And we did this on purpose. You don't, you don't actually feel like you're on the back lot at Universal Studios anymore. You're because you don't see anything. You're completely immersed in in this land. It's kind of shielded off from everything else. So you get wrapped up in the energy. You know, so it's it's really kind of a different dynamic. And then when you come back out and you go back to you know through the warp pipe exit area and go back out into the park. You go, okay, you're back in the park, but that's another really <laughs> kind of unique thing where it's like you you feel like you're in this separate place. It's really a fantastic phenomenon. Right. So let's say I've never played a Mario Kart game and I'm not really sure I've even been in the same room with one. Will I get what's going on and have fun regardless? Absolutely. And that's that was really a vitally important part to us because much as I had said, you know, you have these fans who they'll get the power up in and they'll know everything and they'll kind of, oh, they recognize this character and they're really into the story can and everything else. It was equally important for us to be able to have those who aren't be able to engage in the land and enjoy things. And, and we have you know the meet and greet characters. You actually meet Peach and Luigi and Mario. You can still interact with all the punch blocks. You can still participate in all the games. You can you can all obviously track your score in the Mario Kart ride experience. And it's a visual environment. So you're not really restricted. You're, you're going to the same places as everybody else. The only thing with the power up bands is it does keep your score tied to the uh, universal app as you go through the entire experience. Right. And so how does the uh, augmented reality work into it? Well, we looked at a lot of different technologies. Um, to help make this as immersive and I don't want to go into all of them, but this was clearly the, the the one that allowed us to make you a clear part of the action and bring the characters as close to you as possible. So, and so remember you're four people in a cart in, in one of the Mario carts and you're actually racing against another cart and you're on team Mario and all the characters or some of the characters you see around you are on Team Bowser. So it's all <laughs> set up in the queue line where you learn that, okay, well, we're on Team Mario, we need to beat Team Bowser. And so you're just you know, going through these fantastical environments, seeing Bowser and all of his friends and seeing the people that are on your team, just kind of going in and out of all these sets mm. and you know, special effects and animations. And I said, it really kind of blows your mind. And I have to say, it's so repeatable that you're gonna wanna write it a lot because you, it's almost like you learn just like in a normal game, like you learn through failure to a certain degree on games, you get to a certain level and go, oh, no, now you have to go back. Like you actually learn new tricks the more you write it. You learn more about you know, the precision of how you direct throwing the shells to score points. So it's one of those things I, I, I've written it over 200 times and I'm still improving it, improving <laughs> my score, I should say. <laughs> Again, the man with like probably the best job in the world. <laughs> yes, I have absolutely no complaints. 
Well, I have to say, you guys at Universal Studios Hollywood, you really do a great job at the immersion game. I mean, you know, the uh, Wizarding World of Harry Potter is also amazing. I mean, you guys really know what you're doing. Well, it's it's interesting because the the, sto the story of, of where Universal Studios tour came from and has evolved from has led us to this place of a total immersion into an environment. And I remember very clearly, and I can't take credit for it because I, I wasn't on part of the initial creative team for it, but we've all, we can all imagine it. It's like the first time you saw Diagon Alley. I mean, it's like you wanted to go there, right? I mean, you, know, you can visualize the bank and you can visualize the place where you bought a wand and where you bought, you know, the chocolate frogs and, you know, all this fantastic environments. So you think that's like perfect. So, you know, we, we, we just have a lot of fun and we work with, I mean, the most talented people in, in the industry to, to help us and work on our teams. And it's a great job because, I mean, you know, it's just a, it's a great sandbox to be able to play in. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I want to talk about what's on the menu at the Toadstool Cafe. It looks incredibly on theme. There's mushroom soup, mushroom dressing, star fruit, star croutons, even a uh, question block tiramisu. <laughs> what's going on there? Well, I can vouch for all that. And, you know, if you could see me, my, this body's been denied nothing. So <laughs> it, uh, it has been... Uh, our, our, our chefs do just such a wonderful job um, in, in terms of creating um, this food. And uh, we, we spend a tremendous amount of time and we're very proud of the Toadstool Cafe. It's very popular. Um, the entire interior is themed and there's also video screens where you kind of see a little bit of a show. You can see supposedly back, backstage of the kitchen what, with them cooking and then some things may be happening out in the land. So there's a real little bit of suspension of disbelief inside there. And then, of course, the food is, is really great. I mean, I've had everything there is to have there, and uh, I highly recommend it. So what else do people need to know about Super Nintendo World? You know, it's, it's one of those things where there is so much packed into it. And it was, I have to just say, when we were coming up with this and, and then doing the final design and going through it, even as we were like working on it, and building it, it was such a great opportunity to pay such attention to detail. Um, and, and people have seemed to really resonate with that, and especially the fans. And it, like I said, there's a lot of exploration. You can go up a flight of stairs that's not necessarily marked, and all of a sudden you find yourself up at a place called Frosted Glacier. And you see occasionally these little M embeds, you know, M as in Mario, embeds in the wall, and you <laughs> tap those with your wrist, and all of a sudden, the wall comes alive and illuminates a character and you score points from it. I mean, there's hmm. a lot of nice, uh, fun surprises um, that are just kind of around every corner. That is really great. And, you know, while while Super Nintendo World is the shiny new toy at Universal Studios Hollywood, um, what else is new and noteworthy at the park? Well, um, I could tell you a bunch of stuff that we're working on, but then I wouldn't be working here anymore. <laughs> oh, no. So, no, but... Uh, all seriousness, but no, the, the future is very bright here. There's a lot of fun stuff on the way here. We're very excited about that. Um, and of course, we still have our Secret Life of Pets, Jurassic World, Transformers, Wizarding World of Harry Potter, all the great shows and attractions that we've always had. You know, next year, we're actually going to be uh, celebrating our 60th anniversary as a tour. So we've got some surprises a little bit in store for that. But, uh, you know, I mean, the future is bright. Well, John, this has been really great. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. Thank you so much for having me. And please, everybody come on down. It's terrific. And you'll want to write it a whole bunch. Trust me. <laughs> 
John Corfino is Vice President Creative at Universal Studios Hollywood. Online, that's UniversalStudiosHollywood.com. This is California Now. So far, we've spoken to insiders from Disney and Universal Studios Hollywood, but California is full of fantastic theme parks. And to get an up-close look at what's happening at some of these key attractions, we now turn to Katrina Hunt. She's a family travel specialist with Dot Dash Meredith, who has also written for Travel and Leisure and many others. Welcome to California Now, Katrina. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. So, you know, I just called you a family travel specialist. Does that mean that you've been to a few theme parks in your day? I have been to a few theme parks in my day with kids in tow, yes. <laughs> uh, what is it about theme parks that you love? Is it kind of like, you know, those crazy roller coasters or, you know, or, or is that something you kind of like dread having to go through as part of your work? <laughs> I I do like rides. I am not the biggest thrill ride uh, lover. I like to watch the craziest roller coasters from the safety of the ground uh, <laughs> uh, and and watch other people enjoy them. But I do enjoy plenty of rides. Um, I always say I like my rides kind of medium rare. Um, but I, <laughs> otherwise, I love at theme parks, especially in California, the food. There's a lot of great food at the theme parks. It goes well beyond your your corn dogs and and slushies. There's always lots of live entertainment going on, and so many California theme parks have their own rich heritage and backstories that actually make them pretty fascinating places to visit as a as a piece of the California landscape. They're a lot more than just roller coasters. Okay, let's start with some macro trends in the world of California theme parks. Are you seeing any patterns taking shape this summer? I mean, summer is typically the time when you see new rides and areas and theme parks open. That's sort of, it's it's like, you know, opening day. It's, op- it's high season uh, summer at the theme parks. And there are some new rides and areas this summer. There's also a lot of new live entertainment. I'm seeing a lot more sort of evening events in the summer where you're going to have live music. Uh, special food menu options, fireworks and such. But this summer, I'm seeing perhaps more events than usual. All right, let's switch gears for a second and talk about value. Um, you know, many families are on the lookout to save a few dollars here and there. Are there ways to streamline costs at theme parks? Definitely. I always say the first thing before you get to a theme park to do two things, which is to go online and buy your tickets there. And the second is to download the app for the park because it will streamline your navigation of the park and things going on much, much more. Certainly for booking online, it's it's pretty striking that for most theme parks, you can save anywhere from $20 to $40 a person hmm. just by booking online. They always have deals if you book ahead of time. And certainly it, it also saves you time because if you show up and buy your ticket at the at the box office there at the gates, you have to wait and yet another line just to do that. And so you're starting your day by standing in line when you don't mm-hmm. have to do that. And you will right. almost always pay more. And certainly online too, uh, through their websites or through um, the tourist boards of the town where the park is, say like Buena Park, where Knott's Berry Farm is, you can often find ticket deals on their websites and sometimes bundled with uh, a local hotel that bundles your tickets into your hotel stay and maybe adds breakfast. So it's, it's definitely worthwhile to shop around a little bit online before you show up. And another thing is some of the theme parks like Disneyland and Universal, some days are more expensive than others um, in terms of admission. And so if you're sort of 
open about which day you could go, whether you go on a Saturday or a Wednesday, perhaps, you can often save a good amount of money per day just by picking a, a less expensive day to go. And, and certainly those weekdays are often uh, a little less crowded too. So not everybody can do that, but that, that's another way to save some money. You mentioned downloading the theme parks app. All of them have their own app, I guess. Um, so what are, what are some of the benefits of doing that? Most of them, certainly they all have a map built into the app. Mm -hmm. um, and so certainly if you want to figure out how to get to a certain ride or the ladies room, et cetera, having that map on your app is, is a nice uh, way to, to navigate. It's also, I mean, the main thing though, is that they post wait times usually for all of the rides. So it's a good way to plan your days. Like, all right, let's go do um, this ride this morning. Cause it looks like there's only a 10 minute wait right now. And let's do this other one later that has a 30 minute wait. It just, it helps you sort of gauge your day. And also a lot of the apps um, have a mobile dining feature. Certainly Disneyland does. Uh, and I believe universal does where you can order your food ahead of time and pick it up, which definitely streamlines the process of picking out and getting your food. Right. All that said, I, I do tell people, because I've done it myself, it's because a, a theme park day often ends up, you use your phone so much and you're also taking pictures all day. Um, it's a good idea to pack in your day pack a little portable charger, you know, one of those 10 or $20 things um, that you can buy in electronic stores um, so that you can keep juicing your phone during the mm -hmm. day because that that's a different <laughs> kind of panic and a family vacation days <laughs> yeah. when you're, your phone's at 4%. Right. Oh, gosh. Yeah, exactly. And when you want to depend on that app, you really have to have that, that battery. Exactly. Going, so yes. Great. Yes. And certainly some like Disneyland and some of the others, like if you uh, get the passes to skip lines, those are usually through the app and so through your phone. So you want to keep your phone going. Right, right, right. All right. Well, let's go through some of these theme parks starting in the south and heading north. I know California's newest theme park also happens to be the one furthest south, and that's Sesame Place, San Diego and Chula Vista. Katrina, have you been there? And if so, what can you tell us about it? I have been. I went when it opened last year, and I've been at least once since then. It's a Sesame Street themed park. Uh, it used to be a water park, and now it's all Sesame Street themed. And about half of it is still a water park with a big wave pool and water slides. And then the other half are typically fairly little kid friendly rides, although they do have a Grover themed roller coaster that even grownups will enjoy. It's, I mean, it's not a, a crazy thrill roller coaster, but it's a pretty good one. Um, they are, because it's only about a year old, they are still opening some things. Um, this summer, by the end of June, they're going to open a new area called the Count's Splash Castle. And it's a big, <laughs> uh, themed by the Count, mm -hmm. and um, a splash area sort of playground. And there had been one there before that was similar, but this is now twice as big as the the, the splash area that had been there before. So that that looks to be a lot of fun. And as oh, I said, okay. it's it's it is striking how many non-toddler um, fans you see at Sesame Place. Um, teenagers, adults. My teenage daughter was super excited when we went because she's oh yeah. the the love of Elmo never goes away. <laughs> well, I mean, Sesame Street has been around so long that, I mean, the parents probably get a kick out of it, too. I mean, oh, you know, not only yes. just the teenagers or the young kids. Yeah, most parents who are there um, are just grown-up Sesame Street fans. And everybody <laughs> everybody loves seeing Cookie Monster 
and Oscar and, and the crew. And you do see them wandering around and there's photo ops and they do shows. We, we stayed for a parade where you're seeing, you know, Ernie and Bert waving from a float and it's, it's, it, celebrity sightings left and right there. <laughs> That's great. All right, let's, let's move on to SeaWorld, uh, San Diego next. What's new there? They just opened a new ride called Arctic Rescue, and it is what they call a straddle coaster. Um, you're riding on what looks like a snowmobile hmm. on a, a roller coaster. They, they've sort of described it as a family-friendly coaster. It's not necessarily uh, the super hard-charged thrill ride, but it goes pretty fast. It goes up to 40 miles per hour. It has what they call three separate launches. You're sort of cruising along, and then all of a sudden it'll speed up a whole lot more as you're sort of going on uh, a, a very classic sort of tilting and winding coaster. Um, once you get off the coaster, whereas in some roller coasters, uh, it will feed you into a gift shop. Um, this ride feeds you into uh, the wild Arctic exhibit of SeaWorld that's got a, a lot of wildlife from the Arctic Circle. You can see and it's in these sort of underwater viewing areas where you can get these amazing up-close views of beluga whales, of enormous walruses, of seals. And as you're sort of going through, you're both looking at wildlife and also seeing sort of sets and exhibits about SeaWorld's rescue team. But it's a really nice combination of a, of a, of a fun, uh, just thrilling enough sort of ride for the whole pretty much the whole family, and also really getting these cool up-close looks at um, some of SeaWorld's most majestic uh, marine life. Yeah, that's really great. And it also kind of like works in the whole mission of SeaWorld's rescue efforts. And it's, it's almost like going ha having a really fun roller coaster ride and then being going into like almost like a natural wildlife preserve or aquarium or I mean it just sounds really cool. Exactly. As you as you're looking at the wildlife, they have these sort of sets in there where you can see sort of what would be like a sample desk of a, a rescue team worker up in the Arctic Circle. And uh, it's really, it's fascinating. And, and information posted about uh, stats about the, the, uh, the challenges that wildlife in the Arctic Circle are facing due to climate change. And so it's, it's, it's educational. Um, and as I said, the, the views of, 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 of the belugas and the walruses, are, it's just, it's breathtaking. Yeah. And along the same line, there's also something, uh, this new interactive play area called Rescue Junior geared towards uh, free play. I mean, what's that like? Yes, that's uh, not it's a very short walk from the Arctic Rescue Ride. It's a new play area that's got a huge climbing structure and it has a few very little kid friendly rides, sort of smaller tilt-a-whirl type rides. Um, and it's, again, all themed on the rescue team. Um, you can also see some of the vehicles, some real vehicles, a boat and a little truck uh, that the rescue squad uh, has used around here in San Diego um, is where often they have done some rescues of, of distressed seals um, down at the beaches. Um, they also, on the weekends, are going to be having some not quite shows, but sort of presentations where they bring out some rescued wildlife from other um, organizations in the area, like owls and alligators and and sort of, again, educating kids and families about the, the challenges that wildlife are facing uh, in, in lots of areas. 
Yeah, and it's and it's great that they have kind of all age groups covered, so like everybody in the family can kind of have a really great experience. Yes, definitely, and it's as I said, it's 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 great to be able to see those creatures up close, um, but also get an, an appreciation um, for for their own challenges and and little ways that we can all help uh, make the planet healthier. Yeah, it sounds like it. Sounds really cool. All right, a little further north, but still in San Diego County, is Legoland, California. What's going on in Carlsbad? Uh, Legoland debuted recently a new section of Miniland, which is you know their whole sort of the planet all rebuilt in Legos, different cities and areas around the world. And it, some would say, my goodness, how why did it take so long? But they have added Miniland San Diego. Um, and so you can look at a a Lego built miniature version of San Diego that's got Petco Park. It's got the Hotel Del Coronado, which is one of the most iconic hotels in San Diego. Mm-hmm. It has the convention center. So even you can look very closely, you can see little Lego people in in cosplay who have come for <laughs> Comic-Con um, wandering around the Miniland San Diego. So, so that's definitely a new attraction there. They've also, they're introducing some new shows this summer, a summer block party that's got uh, live music and dancing for kids and another show called Go Extreme um, that's inspired by the TV show Lego City. And it's going to be a, a, a lot of stunts and such. And um, Legoland also always celebrates um, July 4th. Uh, with an event they call um, Red, White, and Boom with sort of uh, earlier evening fireworks that are a little more kid-friendly. Right. Nice. Nice. And if we continue up I-5 to Orange County, we, you know, we've already talked about Disneyland. So let's discuss Knott's Berry Farm. What's new there? Knott's Berry Farm has um, created, they've sort of redone an area uh, called Fiesta Village that is um, a sort of a tribute to um, Los Angeles's Olvera Street, which is a, a, a classic street in downtown Los Angeles that was very much sort of um, the heart of the Mexican-American community in Los Angeles. So Fiesta Village is is bigger and gotten more food. Next door to Knott's Berry Farm is the Knott's Berry Farm Hotel that has been undergoing a renovation over the past several months. Um, as of as of now, I believe all the rooms have now been updated, but they're still working on the public spaces like the lobby and such. But that's a great theme park hotel. It's it's uh, historically always been very reasonably priced. It's just across the parking lot from the the theme park. It really makes uh, a convenient, nice way to experience that park is just just stay right there at the hotel. It's also pretty close to other near, they have uh, Soak City, Knots, they have their own water park. And it's not that far from Disneyland too, if you're doing a trip where you're bundling a few theme parks in. So anyway, that the hotel is open. It's it, as of now, not totally complete. I think it will be complete later this year, but it's, it's looking really nice. So what do they have in the way of events at Knott's Berry Farm? Well, this summer they have two different events going on. They have one called Not Summer Nights that's going to have a lot of live music um, and I think fire pits where you can make s'mores and fireworks perhaps uh, during the evenings. And they've also got something that goes on during the daytime called Ghost Town Alive that's very much focused in the heart, the original part of Knott's Berry Farm, which is sort of this little old west uh, town. And in the course of a day, there's a drama that unfolds 
with uh, an old West, the sheriff and probably some bad guys and a showdown of some kind. And, but viewers can interact um, with the, the characters uh, during the day. Um, and so that's something that's been really popular over the years and has come back. And so that's a fun thing to do during the day. And this is happening all around you. Like, like this drama is unfolding around you as you're walking around the, the ghost town. Yes, if you if you swing by Ghost Town throughout the day, you'll see things playing out uh, periodically, and there are ways that um, that that the characters draw the fans into the action uh, safely, of course, uh, and legally. You're not getting into in, into trouble with the the sheriff. You won't get thrown in Nosbury <laughs> Farm jail, um, but that you can interact with the drama. Oh, very cool. And I mean, uh, you know, when it comes to food at Knott's Berry Farm, they have something called uh, the Knott's Summer Tasting Card. What is that? Yes. Now they do um, during the winter and early spring, they do the Knott's Boysenberry Festival where you buy, um, you know, it's a separate admission and you have a like a card with little tabs and you can go around to all these kiosks and get fun tastes. This seems to be sort of a cousin of that, a tasting pass where you've got a, a card that you buy separately and it gets you... Um, fun, creative foods that are, you know, limited time additions around the park. And, and the park was started back, I mean, the park dates back to a farm stand in the 1920s mm-hmm. that started turning into a theme park in the late 40s and into the 50s and 60s. But it was all around this boysenberry farm <laughs> um, that was first just selling boysenberries. And then Mrs. Knott, um, the, the wife of farmer Walter started making pies and then with the pies, she added fried chicken. And so <laughs> it's always been sort of a place to eat. Um, you can eat at the not Mrs. Knott's chicken dinner restaurant right next to the park anytime. And certainly inside the park, they're always offering fun riffs on boysenberry cuisine from the pies to boysenberry ices. And an event like this with the summer tasting pass, I I have not been there yet. I'm assuming it's going to be a lot of boysenberry theme foods as well as other fun, you know, seasonal summer fare. And they always do a really good job with food there. So I would say that's that's definitely worth a try. Yeah, that's a really great idea, especially for some for a place that is so like food forward, you know, a theme park that's so food forward. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like Knott's Berry Farm is a favorite of yours. Is, is that the case? It it is maybe because I you know I love a good pie, um, <laughs> but it it is it's a it's a nice size park. Um, as I said, Buena Park is a real easy town to make a a, a part of any vacation or weekend getaway. Um, and as I said, it's got this nice interesting history to it. It started as this family farm and. It was by the 40s that people were coming for this fried chicken and pie at the farm stand and the little restaurant that they built this sort of old west attraction as for something for people to do while they waited in line for dinner. <laughs> um, which sort of you know people you know people will stand in line for great food all over California, right. uh, and it goes way back to to Buena Park. People standing in line waiting for fried chicken, <laughs> and so they built this old west exhibit. And from there, it sort of morphed into a theme park. But oh, it, it all started as something to do while you're waiting for pie. Oh, it always comes down to food, right? I mean, that's funny. <laughs> all right. If we go just a bit north of L.A., 
there's this roller coaster mecca called Six Flags Magic Mountain. Let's go there next. What's going on there this summer? Yes. Um, last summer, they opened uh, Wonder Woman Flight of Courage, which is part of the DC Universe area of the park. They have a lot of DC Comics themed rides, uh, Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman. And by adding one and Wonder Woman, it's the, the they love their all of the theme parks love their stats for their different roller coasters with lots of superlatives. The Wonder Woman Flight of Courage ride is the tallest, longest single rail coaster hmm. in the nation, I believe. It goes up to 58 miles per hour. And by adding that to the park, uh, Magic Mountain now has 20 roller coasters, which is the most of any theme park on the planet. Wow. Um, so it's definitely it is definitely a park if you love a thrilling um, roller coaster. I mean, Six Flags Magic Mountain is based, is really a global destination for fans of roller coasters. I mean, right? People come from all over the world because of their collection of these rides. They are, yes. Is when you approach it from the high, like you can see them. It's like it's this incredible, uh, you know, living art. All of these roller coasters that you can see sort of off of of the road there um, in this great collection of them. Uh, so it is, it is definitely, if you are, if you have a need for speed, this is the theme park, um, for you. Um, they are also doing their own, uh, summer events this year. They've got, um, the summer celebration in July, that's going to have fireworks every night. And then they're doing, um, in August, uh, a, an event called flavors of the world. And again, as I said, a lot of these theme parks are doing these sort of culinary based events where there's special food. Perhaps you have like a, like a, at not a tasting card that gets you access to different kiosks for different kinds of cuisine and small plates that to sort of add to sort of, perhaps it is sort of like, you know, the, a nod to the classic fairs that a part of going to the fair is all about the fun food and, and the theme parks are no different. Yeah, that's really great. All right, let's make one more stop, this time in the Bay Area. Uh, what's going on at Six Flags Discovery Kingdom? Six Flags Discovery Kingdom is, is a little different than a lot of Six Flags parks in that it has a much bigger um, wildlife component than a lot of theme parks do. Because uh, some decades ago, it started in the Bay Area as it was called uh, Marine World and had... Uh, different animal wildlife exhibits. And it still does. They've, they have expanded um, an area that's part of the park called the shark experience. Um, so it's a much uh, bigger walkway and you're going through in one of those sort of underwater tunnel type experiences where you can see um, the sharks up close and will be really cool. They've also expanded an area, um, a new area called the rainforest trail that, and Cheetah Creek, um, which they sort of have, I think a, they have a, a marine life area and then the land life area. Um, and the rainforest trail is, um, and part of it is this huge glass atrium with butterflies. There's also a lot of, um, there's a sloth, but the <laughs> butterflies are, are definitely a, a big focus. Um, they've always had this huge butterfly kingdom area that's got, that when it first opened, it was like the biggest enclosed butterfly enclosure in the nation or certainly this part of the nation, 500 species of butterflies. And it's, it's one of the, a lot of people's favorite part of that park because certainly uh, theme parks are fun, but they can be with kids, very stimulating. 
and to go spend some time looking at 500 different species of butterflies and just sitting and enjoying that is a really nice part of the day. Yeah. And then there's this Cheetah Creek area. Um, they recently had one of their resident cheetahs, Jay's gave birth to um, five or six cubs. Huh. And so I'm not sure how much you can see the cubs yet, but probably if not right now, very soon, you'll be able to see some cheetah cubs, which is, which is pretty cool. Yeah. You know, Katrina, you've shared so many kind of great tips and such great information. Is there anything we've actually missed in our conversation so far? You know, there's one other theme park that's a little bit of a hidden gem in California. It's called Gilroy Gardens, and it's in the town of Gilroy, about 45 minutes south of San Jose. And it's garlic themed because the town is uh, a garlic hotbed. They're famous for their garlic festival. And the theme park um, is all agriculturally themed. You can ride on like an artichoke themed ride, a garlic (laughs) ride. And they have these wonderful circus trees, which are these sort of cultivated trees and these fascinating shapes. And I just saw recently that they're going to be doing an event later this summer uh, called Gil and Roy's Slumber Party. They have their own mascots. Um, they are two garlic bulbs named Gil and Roy, <laughs> and they will be hosting a slumber party um, on Friday nights in August and September, I believe, where you can bring a tent and camp in the big lawn at the theme park and go into the park for the evening to get food. And then they're going to have telescopes for uh, stargazing and then breakfast in the morning. And it's a, it's a really cool theme park that not everybody knows. And this just seems like such a wonderful family vacation that you could build around is to go camp out at a theme park and gaze the stars. And, and I, may have to force my teenagers uh, to go with me, even though uh, they're not little kids anymore. Yeah, no, that sounds great. I mean, I, I'm a big uh, stargazer and something like this. It's like night at, night at the museum, but you're in the great outdoors. That's so yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, potentially meet Gil and Roy, who sound right, awesome. Exactly. <laughs> Katrina, this has been so great. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Katrina Hunt is a family travel specialist for Dot Dash Meredith. As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now. Thank you for listening to California Now. This podcast is produced by Visit California. I'm your host, Satirius Johnson. You can find our show on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. One final word on our way out today, we're going on vacation. Okay, it's actually our standard summer hiatus, but I, for one, am going to do some traveling. California is full of incredible places to explore, so we're hitting the road and we'll be back to share more in the fall. Meantime, check out our archive. This past season, I secured travel tips from guests like skateboarding legends Tony Hawk, comedian and actor Cheech Marin, Grammy winner Molly Tuttle, and Top Chef champion Brooke Williamson. Those interviews and a lot more are always available at visitcalifornia.com slash podcast.